0: Hey guys, Riley here, episode 18 is upon us, and I couldn't think of a better way of having episode 18 come than with a band, a duo that has been together for 18 years, and of course uh, I'm talking about Lal. and you already knew that because you saw what the title of this episode was when you downloaded it, but uh, they came in and they talked to Adam and I about their new album, Fine Safety for probably, uh, they were here for probably two and a half hours. And uh, so the way the podcast works is we typically have the band come in uh, to talk to us for like 45 minutes to an hour before the actual podcast starts. And that's just to get everybody used to everyone um, and sort of get the band used to my way of asking questions with a preamble of 90 seconds and then like an actual question of three seconds. Uh, it's the only way we can make this podcast last an hour um, or just getting used to Adam staring them down with his cold dead eyes, which ah, uh, they're, they're beautiful in their own way. And they're definitely not as off-putting as uh, my questions. And um, so Lal came in and it was almost a shame to have to set up the mics because the flow of the conversation was just going so great. And um, But this this podcast is also super cool. We talk about find safety and just the making of it and the way that they they rewrote the album completely they they wrote it once they threw it out and then they just started writing it again and um you know we go through the process of that it's it's oh i i say it i'll leave all the platitudes for the actual podcast but it is a great piece of music it is a great piece of art and it is it's one that I know I'll be listening to years and years and years down the road um and it it was just it was so great to get to you know sort of pick their brains for a while about that and not only that but their um their activism and how their activism sort of informs their artistry and vice versa. <laughs> I know that sort of one thing and another thing and then that other thing, two of the one thing, is like a is like a music journalism cliche, and you will hear in this episode I use the phrase were you conscious of like four or five times, and I hate that. I, I really, really hate it because it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a music journalism crutch. Were you conscious of doing something or not? Of course, they were conscious of it. Of course, they were goddamn awake while they were making this album. But full disclosure, I'd had like two Pinot Grigios before going into the interview, uh, so a lot of my music journalism uh cliches were flying and if you go back to the early episodes of Stonehall Sessions I'm talking episodes one through three you'll hear that I call almost everybody who comes on here uh fantastic Uh, and and I mean like their artwork is fantastic but fantastic is not a descriptive word it is it, only, it, doesn't tell, it doesn't let anybody into what their music sounds like. It's, they only know that they, they write fantastic music after that. So uh, I, use, I use were you conscious of quite a few times in this interview, and you have to excuse me. Um, they don't seem to mind, and they don't seem to want to point out that that is not a way a human being speaks to another human being. Because, of course, again, you're awake while you're making music. For the most part, I think Jeff Bridges had a sleep album, but I have to imagine he was awake for most of the mixing and mastering of it, if not the recording. You can never tell with a dude. Anyways, if you haven't already, like us, rate us, review us on iTunes. Um, You've been doing a great job. It really helps us out. Um... We're the number one independently produced music podcast in Canada and we we only got that way because of you guys and so every every review you guys write of it it just helps to inform other people who might uh, want to check out the podcast about it and um, so it really it raises our profile if you guys could do it again if you guys could keep doing it that would be great um again we just do this out of my apartment it's there's nothing special about it uh, we don't have any big budget we don't have any. Uh, there's, there's nothing that goes into it except for sort of blood, sweat, and tears and a max MSP patch that I wrote for Ableton Live to automatically, uh, regulate room tone because I got sick of editing podcasts for about four hours every week. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. What is here right now is Lao episode 18. You guys are going to love it. Their music is incredible. It's a good one.
1: So uh, we're here with Lal today. Uh, we're going to talk about their album, Find Safety. Uh, great stuff. I've been listening to it all day today. Uh, got me going this morning in the shower. Awesome. Uh, That's really a really turn of phrase. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> I listen to music in the shower. Big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really great stuff. Uh, really been enjoying listening to it. Really glad you guys could sit down with us today. Uh, tell us a little more about yourselves. Tell us what goes into uh, making this album.
2: Well, I'm Rose and I'm the vocalist.
3: Um, Nick, I'm the producer. Yeah, this record was one of those records where we had to kind of like um, really think about our existence and like what we were doing philosophically, musically, and everything from our beginnings. So it was kind of like a a re-entering into the sphere of musicality and music and industry and whatever the case may be. So it was kind of a repositioning and... I don't know necessarily no repositioning, but like it was a adventure in reawakening.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had actually finished a full record, mixed and mastered it Mm -hmm. like a year ago, and then we listened to it, and I was like, "No, I don't like this. Like, we need to do, we need to do it again." (laughs) So we basically just took a couple of tracks that we had had on the on the original album and then worked with that concept. His brother had produced one track, which was called Find Safety. And we were like, yeah, let's just do it over again. And we did it. Yeah, um, that was the
3: only song that made it to the new record, actually. From really? Old record.
2: No, Tiny Mirrors, but we redid the whole song. Oh, Tiny Mirrors, song. yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we redid the whole song. I'll just make everything you say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of it, I mean, I think I've been talking about like when, you know, when you do electronic music and then political electronic music and then you're tapping into queer or contingents of color or just stuff that doesn't get expressed in mainstream music in Canada. It's frustrating. You almost hit like a wall. Um, And instead of being angry about it after my mother passed, everything just changed. When you lose someone like that, I was like, I need to let go of this. And let's just if the world that we want isn't there or not allowing us to participate, let's just create our own world. So that's what we did we just we got a warehouse space we started running parties with friends and with community that was safer um and that and the i mean i'd be healed from those parties like i'd be sick and then someone would throw a party and it and i and some of our parties would go to like 6 a.m some wouldn't mm-hmm. but it was so and we wouldn't make any money but we for me i it was such a spiritual journey of it's that uplifting, uplifting yeah. yeah for like five or six years and i think this new record came out of like all of, of the accumulation of all that energy and that spirit, for sure.
0: That's interesting, because when I listen to Find Safety, there is not an ounce of wasted sound on it. There's no fat. It's all just lean cuts. My first tortured metaphor of the evening. Um, but <laughs> uh, how did how did you guys come about Because with this new sound? Because I know your 2008 release uh was sort of it, it took influences from a whole bunch of different uh mm. genres but this one seems much more focused it, it it's laser like in the way that mm. every song sort of seems to have a purpose and once it serves its purpose it's done mm. and that's all you get and a lot of the times that's all you want sometimes you want yeah. a little bit more but like how did that come about because that's that seems like there's a huge skill of editing a huge skill of just knowing how the two of you play off each other it, how 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 did redoing the album sort of how how did that process work I mean for me I think it was I think it was
3: like uh, coming from this place of working with a lot of really talented musicians on a lot of our other records and kind of not really having the opportunity nobody's fault really I think it was all the process I think it was just a matter of just being what is my voice how am I going to present this Um, and what do I want to say? And like uh, we were, we were very focused in 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 our ideas going into this record. Like we were, we would sit down, we would have pictures, we would have stuff in the studio. We were Rosie and I were very much in tune with what we were trying to say. And I think it was kind of like that Eurythmics thing. I don't know if you read that book by that dude from the Eurythmics um, <laughs> where they had the thing on the wall. I, I read, it, read it, it after the fact. I didn't read it before I made this record. But they had this thing on the wall where they wrote down soul, electronic music, uh, whatever. But it was kind of like that idea where we, we, we kept the we kept the the palette kind of small even musically we kept the palette kind of small or even musically with the tools that i used we kept the palette really small we were able to just kind of like use those things to their extreme and then move to the next thing
2: i think also like you know we don't we're not we're self-trained musicians and because early on we were introduced to live musicians Um, which is a very different thing when you work with like bass players or percussionists. Um, And we're music lovers. So a lot of our records were exploration, like real exploration with people and relationships and sound. And then 18 years later, we're like, oh, those things are amazing. And we're glad we did them. But now we actually kind of know what we're doing. And I, as a vocalist has to say, I'm actually not going to get in the way I'm not going to try to produce because a lot of it would be me like, Nick, no, we got to add this and, lines, and we got to. And then I was like, you know what? You need to just trust the fact that he knows what he's doing. Lay- just get, get, get out of there. Write the song, sing the song, you know, fight when you need to fight. Yeah. And fight for those ideas, but not. So part of it for don't me was,
4: each
2: yeah, was like letting go of like, I don't need to produce this. He knows what he's doing. We're good. And, and I'm still involved with the production aspect and I'll push him for certain things. But I don't need to be in there like every every little thing. I was like, okay, you know what you're doing. you know. And that came out of our techno stuff that we did actually. Because our techno stuff under Murr would do really well. And it was just so easy and organic. So we're like, we need to approach Lal in that same kind of spirit.
0: That's really interesting because when I listen to it, my first sort of reference point from it is sort of um, the knife's silent shout. Right. Where it's you know, um, the textures, the palette of it sort of are established within the first 15 seconds of the song. But then you guys explore it, you twist it, you sort of, it's, oh, tortured metaphor number two. It's like <laughs> watching a pretzel maker work. Um, it, it, but like you guys keep, you keep reinventing sort of a reverb. It sounds like it's almost like reversed or something like that. of right. piano coming in to swell into the track. And like that, that that sound hasn't happened yet. Like that sonically, like that, sh- the reverb shouldn't, become the actual- shouldn't come before the actual hit or like, how did you guys choose to limit your palette on this to just just the essentials, just the choice cuts? Um, I
3: think it was just a matter of um, finding something that works and then just kind of going with it. Like everything kind of starts from like a phrase And then incarnations of that one phrase, like, you know, the whole electronic techno approach or not techno, but like specifically house music and even hip hop to some extent where you just find like a one, two bar, 16 bar phrase and you just repeat it. Then you then build on that with other instruments. Um, And then if you can listen to it for like an hour, then you've found something amazing. That's kind of the approach. uh, We
2: also like, I, I go by complete instinct. So if instinctually I was like... Because when when we first would write something, the initial idea I'd be so excited about. And then because we have access to so much technology, there'd be like 9,000 versions of it. And by the time you're done, it doesn't feel the same. So for this record, for me, I was very much tuning into like my body and being like, no, just... And that's what I would tell Nick, this is not feeling right. And then that's all I would say. This is, nope, this isn't feeling right. And then he would do his magic and so it was really about the the, the, the the coupling of, I think, instinct and then skill.
3: Yeah, there was a lot less conversation happening in this record, too, actually. I mean, I guess we didn't fight as much. We did fight on some songs, but I think the first record, the first incarnation of this record was probably an, a, an example of us fighting more, so there was a lot of convolution. Anytime there's a, a massive disagreement in the studio is when... For us, anyway, not always, because some people make that work. But um, I think for us, whenever there's massive disagreement in the where we're like, well, you could put add this, or rather than okay, let me just write. So yeah. Rosina would sit on the bed in the studio. We have a bed in our studio. I don't know if you, but anyway, gets down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I would just
2: get stoned. Yeah, that's
4: what I would do.
3: And we have and a bed in our studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no bed in the studio, bedroom studios. But um, yeah, that was one of those things, and and she would Rosina would either be like feeling this let me write something to it or i don't really like this then i would just be like okay i'm going to bed you're going to bed and then we just like we <laughs> yeah. would just wake up the next morning and do it all over again
2: and if we if we had to do a song on its fifth version i was like this isn't working like we need to go back to the original that we did because that was exciting
3: or there's a part in yeah there's there's something in this that led us to this let's really examine what how how we got to this place
2: yeah But that's how the the techno stuff would work. It's like Nick would play me some music that he'd created and I would immediately be like, I love this. This feels amazing. And I'd be able to write in five minutes. And those songs did really well for us, like in Europe on an underground level. And I was like, we need to bring we fought hard on this. I don't wanna just write a song off into space and then you create music around it. There I need to be we did a couple by of that. It. We did a couple of that. Yeah. But it's the uh, next yeah. record's gonna be fully based on what he gives me. Cause it's it's so much different to write something, it just flows out of you.
3: It's kinda of like that you know? Faith Evans approach. There's some singers that, that can't actually write with people in the room. That's okay.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's just him and me. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Some people can't actually write to with musicians. They'd rather just hear a piece of music and write to that.
2: No, I I feel like we could do both. But when we work with musicians or when we work in reverse around my ideas, it's a very different thing where it's just so much easier for me to plug onto something versus like people work around my ideas. You know, I don't know if that makes sense.
0: But yeah, yeah. that's interesting. And I think it kind of informs the fact that throughout – Uh, throughout the album sort of the one the one sort of texture the one the one thing that comes out unscathed is your voice everything else gets warped everything else gets sort of gets turned around a few times back to that really great pretzel metaphor someone made earlier um but um (laughs) like was there a conscious decision when you're going into it because i know for like a lot of electronic music when when you're adding vocals it's sort of let's let's see how far this cave of the reverb modeling can <laughs> yeah. you know, let's yeah. you know, bounce it back and things like but this it's it's very raw and because of that like you it, the the lyrics are very sort of present and mm. very powerful as well. mm. it, yeah. it was it, was that a conscious decision as you guys were yeah
3: for me it was uh, in terms of approaching the production aspect i feel like a lot of the times in I felt like Rosie really needed to be exposed as you will notice there's not a lot of backup vocals on this record
2: and I love doing backup vocals Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially when you're blazed it's like oh, I can do all kinds of things He's Yeah, like,
3: no. yeah there wasn't a lot of backup vocals on, and that was a choice actually I, I mean I'm a really big fan of the one vocal most singers hate me for that but like yeah I really appreciate the one vocal I, I guess it was because I listened to a lot of anyways whatever but even the mix yeah.
2: engineer that we used yeah um, Browin.
3: Brand, brandwin yeah went
2: out of um she's from the uk she had mixed the four hero stuff from back in the day um and we really wanted to take ourselves outside of the mix as well particularly someone that was who a choice understood too. Yeah. vocals and electronic music yeah was
0: that difficult as a producer
3: actually it was kind of nice actually i mean I feel like um i'm I'm really not set up to be a mix engineer I, I've kind of been doing it for a while but like in some ways, I could do my own stuff when it's very minimal and like maybe eight elements. But when it comes to vocals, I feel like I don't think I would ever mix another record with vocals unless it was a clubby dancey thing. Or but like in terms of like a full record mix, I think it really pays to get somebody to do it. Like, Yeah.
2: And she really, I think, elevated yeah. that. And to get a different perspective to let go of that is like amazing. And then we mastered with...
3: Uh, oh, Jay Hodgson, yeah. uh, ruthless Creations.
2: And again, like, you know, I think Jay teaches at Humber or some... Fanshawe, I believe. Venture or some, not Humber, yeah, great, venture. great guy.
3: Great guy, yeah. Just, I mean, dude, I've never met to do Amazing. The dude, yeah, we haven't met him. He's, but but he's, a done a lot, he's done a lot of records before. Yeah, so yeah, yeah he's really and nice super, to work with. Super,
2: yeah. I think that was part of it, too. Just letting go of it, getting yeah. it to the right people to mix it and master it, and then we're like, we're good.
0: Yeah. Now, before that, what is it like... There's a whole bunch of different feelings, emotions, uh, sentiments on this album. What was it like trying to concisely edit it down into something that can be at once recognizable and also powerful?
2: I mean, like, a part of the process was, which was really helpful, we took photographs of our journeys and photographs that spoke to us conceptually. So, like, just really beautiful images that we both agreed upon. And then, again, I would just get high, and I would look at the photographs and I would write metaphorically using the photographs based on the things that I wanted to talk about. So, um, so issues of safety, political issues, um, queer issues, all kinds of stuff. But instead of being very didactic with that, I was like, let me use these photographs. And that was really helpful. We didn't end up using a lot of those songs, but that process was really helpful because I actually really love metaphor um, and have, you might not have any idea what I'm talking about until you get to the chorus, maybe. But I, I don't care because <laughs> it, 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 when we perform live, you'll hear me actually banter about that shit. But yeah, it's just it's poetry. <laughs> yeah. It's poetry. I'm from Bangladesh, you know, Bengalis, half the world, you know, recites poetry. Canada also has a very extreme poetic culture. So it's really about reciting poetry versus let's make a pop song.
3: Yeah. You know, um, I, who would be like a singer that you'd be really influenced by in terms of your poetry? That's the
2: thing. I'm not really. I'm influenced by all kinds of music and singers and musicians, but I can't really say, oh, this person or that person. Right. You know, um, but I'm influenced by all of it, and not just musicians. It's people. Like people. A lot of my lyrics come from conversations, and people just say something. I'm like, oh, that's a that's yeah, a beautiful that song. Yeah, and I'll just <laughs> I'll try to remember to Yo, write it down. She literally does that always, and all the time. Yeah, like, oh. and I can yeah. write a song. I can I can walk along and freestyle but a tree. I can do any. I, it's very You're- easy for me to do that, and that comes from like hip hop culture, and, and Nick introducing me to hip hop culture, and I love that. So it's it was combining and also editing. Like I'd never edited before. I was just like, oh, whatever. But this was actually a process of editing. Um, yeah, and just like being really clear about what it is we wanted to talk about, but in metaphor, because we're a political band, but I don't ever want to make people feel bad about the decisions that they've made or not made or try to be like, you have to think like me. That's not the point, you know?
1: What would an example of one of these photos be, for example? Sorry? What would an example of one of these pictures be that you're drawing inspiration from?
2: Like, um, one of them was... There's this person in a. It looks like it's a cave, and they're like floating up to the light, in a cave. And so I would use like I, I just use that photograph. Um, we had photographs of like, um, jellyfish in water. You know, so very like beautiful, free flowing, free flowing, um, images, and also like of our travels. But a lot of it, I think, particularly this last. This record was also very much influenced by Unit Two by our space, uh the community space that we've created with people in Toronto. Like it was so much I've been healed in that space. I saw so much stuff um and the spirit of that is what this project is about. It's about slowing down. it's about taking time for people in community. you know it's 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 about letting go, you know, you know, and then looking at power um very differently. Um, so it was very much about that as well.
0: Now when these songs were being created and I've I've seen in interviews because, you know, I it's nice when you're interviewing someone, you can say I saw in interviews as opposed to I creeped you on Facebook. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's much more official that way. Yeah. But um that you guys say that you you do like sort of four AM music. Um was that was there ever a challenge in sort of matching sort of four AM beats with messages that you're going to do or was that always sort of
3: yeah i think it always worked together i feel like um he called it 4
2: a.m music i have no idea what that yeah i mean
3: i think that's my most prolific time i have i guess i was born then or something but like that's when (laughs) my i i yeah when i excel doesn't really work for good sleep habits but it is what it is but um I think heard more so tapping into the texture of Rosina's voice more so than than her message from a production as, aesthetic. I think I think I would definitely critique her on like words that don't sound good or taste good in her mouth when she's performing, and um, and then we would we would discuss that and find new words. And, and stuff I like, would never
2: listen. I'm like, no.
3: <laughs> I'm there's a, like there's a, a couple that slipped through on the record, but whatever, it is what it is. You can't get whatever you, you know compromise. Uh, that's a that's a life lesson right there Comprom- compromise relationships you know it's one of those things but in terms of like matching the music to her voice it's more the texture of her voice i guess i've just grown up with it for so long too though it just becomes i feel like i've developed a whole set sa- or we've developed a whole sound around it
0: and so do you unconsciously write with that in mind like the thing i love about it and the thing i think i said earlier was that uh you know it's a permanent album for me like i i look forward to sort of un, unpacking it years in the future which is why i don't want to go too in depth in here for you guys to ruin it for me <laughs> yeah okay but, um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just superficial stuff will be great but um yeah. uh, when you're writing and when you're sort of making these sounds is is it for this album was it always so like i need to make it direct i need to make it mm. sort of some focus I mean I think I think it just needs, needed to feel good I think we
3: needed to just have a, a thing that that was that would complement Rosina's voice. I mean, for the first time, I think we thought in keys, which was interesting too. No, and no,
2: I didn't think in keys.
3: I thought. Or in was keys. you pretending
2: to think in keys?
3: I could, with my very minimal theor- theoretical knowledge, but like whatever, it is what it is. But we thought in terms of what keys sound good with her voice. We've never really thought that way before, and, and we kind of went there. I totally don't
2: agree,
3: but okay. We did. Well, I, <laughs> maybe we didn't discuss it, but I think that. No, was... No, you
2: wouldn't. I'd be like, you're talking bullshit.
3: That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because Rosina feels that like I have no understanding of key structure. No, it's
2: not that you don't have understanding of key structure. I think something happens when we think too much with our minds, Right, right, right. Instead of feeling it, you know? Yeah. And so I was just like, I don't really care what key it's in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you tell me this is E flat, I'm like, I don't
0: care. <laughs> Let's just go. But I think that kind of speaks to the way that the album comes out in that you drift over top of very sort of like the beats are very established the two bar loop that you were talking yeah. about but you sort of float over top of it in a way that is not the it's not the way that a producer who created that in the studio said you know come on in yeah um, you do this uh you need to do, you need to have all four bar hooks sort of thing." Mm. it's not like that you sort of go over through um you sort of cruise over top of it and i guess is there a difference between the two of you uh, as a couple out of two of you as sort of working together in the studio? I would oh, say no so. No one's ever
2: asked that
3: question. <laughs> I would say so. I would say there's the d- d- definitive difference. I, I, There can't be, for me anyway, otherwise I wouldn't get anything done. Like you can't, there'd be too much like tension and like, oh, you don't have to do that. No, you have to actually think that over. No, you actually have to find a better word. No, you actually have to, like we, we have to get something done here. We're We're not here to like, you know, so yeah, you have to be a bit more in business but in reference to your idea of her floating over the tracks that's really interesting because I think a lot of the times when I actually do produce something and she and Rosie actually sings something it's like completely not what I wanted and, and that's okay <laughs> and that's okay like I, I completely all this on every single track on this record I think I completely imagine something different and
2: yeah and there's a couple of tracks that he actually doesn't even like you know, um, but I was like, no, not
3: necessarily. This <laughs> No, right, but you,
2: okay, you might not have liked. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. But yeah. I was like,
2: no, there's something this, what, to this, this song. The, yeah. And I don't know what it is, but just let's just let it go and see what happens. And those mm-hmm. are, we're actually getting good feedback on those songs. Yeah. That's and, like, always Robin the case. Rubbish is one of those songs. That's always like, the case, though. Yeah, but this one in particular was very really fascinating. I was just like, oh, like songs that you really were like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm fighting for this. And then. Yeah. And then the feedback on some of those songs has been really, really good. Yeah. And sometimes I think we sabotage ourselves. We self-sabotage ourselves all the time, especially when something is hooky. It's like if that happens organically, I think that's fine. If you're trying to make a mathematic equation out of pop hooks, that's where I think the problem is. Even though if you do that, that's great. But that's not what we do. But if, if, if I happen to write a hook that comes in and it's catchy... Then and it happened organically. I'm usually again, I'm high, like that should be okay. And so, that's something I think we've been also been accepting and celebrating too that it's okay to be a little bit catchy, yeah. You, you know, guys don't
0: Max Martin it, sort of comp it until it's absolutely perfect every single time. Oh, gosh, no, uh, I'm no. too
2: because a lot of what we do no. is like, no, my original take. Um, in that moment is usually the best.
3: There's a lot of original takes on that record, actually. Yeah, really. Yeah,
2: yeah, because it's hard to, because again, when I'm in that moment and you and you're 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 vibing together and you sing it a certain way, because I don't sing it like I don't never sing the same song twice. It's hard to recapture that again. So a lot of it was like, let's just record this properly just in case, and it's usually the first take or the first session that we pulled from. Versus when we tried to do stuff over, it just sounds like crap. Yeah. It's not the same energy, you know?
0: That's crazy. That's a lot like, why don't we try to do the intros for this podcast? <laughs> Anything past <laughs> yes. the first one is just crap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah totally,
3: totally. Uh, well, everything is usually really comped. Like, it's very, 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 very specific. Like, you want, the, you want the vocal to do this thing. There's people that go in every... That's the world that we're living in, though. I mean, I still come from, like, the... Bedroom electronic music aesthetic, where it's like, yeah, the vocal is kind of weird. It's kind of shaky. Even like the, the the beginnings of like house music, and and like how you would listen to it, and you'd be like, wow, this vocal is r- completely out of key. This person is not singing to the beat, but this is amazing. Like mm. like that whole feel. I still remember those places. Yeah. I I just I'm just not a big fan of like over vocal editing. Yeah something that i just choose not to do but there's other people that will listen to myself and be like why didn't you edit the vocals my brother for instance he's like vocal edit king like he'll go in on every word and like but his stuff sounds amazing but like just never been my thing it's also like the life of the music you know like a lot of a lot of like a lot of the feel comes from every all the feel comes from the vocal and like Listening to records from the seventies, like there's a lot of mistakes and everything just sounds good because it it was real, mm-hmm. in the space itself. Like there was not there was the idea of like over editing.
2: Yeah, and I think it depends on your goals too. Like if you're an artist who wants Billboard or Grammy.
3: You know, I world relate.
2: I think that can also uh, no, but I think that can change perhaps the way that you create I think, stuff yeah. I want to be on a beach like in 10 years with a garden and helping my friends like you know so I feel like that's, that's where that comes from I would from.
3: argue that that like
2: but I'm talking about specifically around vocal takes,
3: right? Like people right. who auto tuning, like editing, yeah, yeah. extreme. Like I'm
2: not, it I'm not on against that.
3: I'm not against that. I mean, maybe one day I will be like the biggest auto tuner, but like, at this point, I just don't see it. Not with Rose, anyway. I guess because this project's really personal too. It would feel weird to just like completely just go in there and just like. Get yeah, but it. You never
2: know. Shit happens. Like yeah. bands Rose is not. Come, Rose well, is, well, bands come out of these beautiful spaces and they blow up, yeah. and then their albums sound like shit. Like you never, you never or they don't. Like it's. The journey of each person is different, right? So
0: It's it's so weird because it's an album that, again, sort of, I listen to and sort of, you guys welcome me into this world. And uh, for you guys to say that, it's sort of just, it happened... Well, I was getting high. he
2: can't do it when he's high. Like he,
0: I can't be high live.
2: It, it's cool when he gets a little bit high because we go into like we're, we're talking places, about smoking marijuana, morning. just
3: so there's clarity there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not we're not you know, here Yeah, yeah, it. whatever it is, just so that there's clarity, so that if anybody wants to partake in this same journey here, <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, but how do you guys translate? Uh, because a lot of the, how do you translate that uh, the performances on the album into a live situation is it just the two you guys is it
2: it is and we work with projectionists um sunny uh bean sometimes matt maskant or the both together sometimes we work with dancers like we have really a great community of artists um who contribute in many different ways from video production to like costuming angloff does costumes um live it's very different live it's become a complete different experience um it doesn't sound, it sounds like the record for sure, but we we tend to go a little bit more experimental um, within the framework of what we're,
0: of what we've created. Yeah. Is it tough to go? I, I always find the most interesting thing is people who are sort of operating in, in pop frameworks going experimental. Like how far do you guys dare to go with these things live? Like, do you ever try to alienate the audience? Do you ever try to like really get them to... You're like oh what the fuck is this? No, yeah, it, you know what yeah, I tried to. <laughs> I, I totally try to. I, I definitely per, not per,
3: not purposely to alienate, but like I'm definitely coming from a place of like this needs to be super long, or like let's 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 just clear the space, let's create a whole new fantastical world, but or like but I
2: don't think that's alienating. Yeah, for me, it's our our show changes depending upon the energy of the audience. Of course, like it completely changes. So. For example, we just played in Hamilton and we had Howlin' Monk open and then Ray played after Ray Spoon and then us. And Howlin' Monk is this four piece jazz, sort of like jazz, they are jazz, a jazz trio, but they go into like really interesting places. And that completely changed our set. Like our set became this weird, like for me, it was the best thing that we had done so far as a live unit, you know? So our our, our set will completely change depending upon the audience, who's playing the music that's playing, the space that we're in, will completely change.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's kind of set up that way too,
2: and I li- I personally like that, but fans might be like, "What the fuck?" Well, but,
3: but, but what's interesting <laughs> about this record specifically, this record is that like when you hear the live performance, it's pretty close to what's on the record itself, which has never really happened to us before. Before it was like completely different, but now it's like relatively close. Like it's still the same parts I'm working with and stuff, like same chord structures or same rhythmic structures or whatever the case may be it's not like we reinvented the whole record might happen though you never know like as we get really into this tour well, you
0: tor- did do it once yeah right? yeah right yeah yeah
2: and I and I tend to also again because for me it's ritual to smoke before I well cigarettes and weed but before I perform so the energy not just the energy like I'll, I'll actually leave my body in performance yeah. and I'll come back so that can, that experience. So sometimes I don't even know like what's happening until I come back. And it's not a, it's not disconnected. It's just what I've been doing for so long. And it's that really can alter again the energy of the space, completely changes like the, the vibe of what we're doing, what I'm doing. Cause I'll just like, I'll go off. And if there's an angry, sometimes I'll get angry and I'll yell and I'll scream and I'll swear. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is peace, love, harmony. Like it, just, <laughs> it completely depends. Yeah.
0: Is there? Do you guys have signals to each other? If there's going to be like sort of a angry set versus a peace, love, and harmony one? Oh no, no, no. There's
2: signals within the music. Like we'll look at each other. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there isn't. Yeah. But definitely not on the energy. No. Yeah.
0: If we can talk a little bit about, uh, you guys use samples on previous records?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some samples on this record. Is there's, there? There's one, but not really. <laughs> but yeah there's no there's no loops or anything but our previous records yeah yeah
0: was that a I have to I hate myself or keep asking is, is that a conscious decision was that something that you guys went into saying this is going to be a sample is
3: some songs were started like Tiny Mirrors I think was started with a sample like this Miles Davis sample from Sketches of Spain which is a really amazing sample I'm surprised nobody's ever taken that sample there's a there's a horn section where it just kind of play. it's really beautiful like i was like we're using this i don't care this is miles davis sketches of spain but um but in the end i just played chords over somehow it didn't last some, some something about the sampling aesthetic just didn't work for me in this record but maybe it will next but yeah i have to look for that
1: when i get home yeah, yeah it's I have sketches so of spain beautiful like
3: like you the loop is crazy like it's like um yeah i didn't even cut it either i just straight looped it <laughs> <Nice>. yeah <laughs> nice. it's um yeah, I wish I could hum it for you, but I can't. But um, And it's, yeah.
2: for me, it's really easy to write over loop bass music, whether it's sampled or yeah. whether it's just he's created it. Yeah. And, and whether I've done work with other people, it's just really easy <laughs> yeah. for some reason. Yeah.
0: 18 years on, what has been the biggest change in your creative process with each other? I think trust would
3: be the one just being getting out of each other, like we mentioned before, just getting out of each other's way. Just being like, yeah, you do what you do best, I'll do what I do best, and we'll just finish it.
2: And I think also, like, not being affected by, you know, um, like, dead happiness is about this idea of this song on the record about, like, not being affected by the things we're supposed to do. So in 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 a musical sense, the music industry, like the expectation of the music industry in Canada or in North America. It's just like letting go of all that and be like, "You know what? We're just going to do what we do best and really connect with the people and whether that's whether, you know, mainstream gets a hold of it or not doesn't matter. Like we're just going to keep on. And and having real faith in that, having real faith in that, you know, and it's actually been really really great. Yeah, raised label Race Spoon Cokes has been really amazing um just allowing us to do what we do having the ethics behind like you know trying to have accessible space having it open for queer and trans folks of color folks of color allies you know people who want to have a different conversation um public transit was our record label before and it was also similar Uh, but Ray's really pushed touring they're like you need to tour you know and that's actually been a really great experience yeah
0: and can you guys obviously I don't know I can't speak to this at all. Uh could you guys talk more about sort of Unit Two and what that is uh the goals of that and how that maybe influences record and just sort of uh, continuing on how how you guys see that going forward?
3: I think I think we're gonna, we're trying to get to a place where we don't actually live there. That's 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 the long term goal. Um it's kinda of happening actually. There's a lot of people approaching us to do stuff there like residencies and um I feel like I could increase uh, my studio technology and that'll probably get happening too soon too. Like the idea of like having better gear and more gear and more acoustic treatment and stuff um, just for the listening environment. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to grow. It doesn't really work too well in summer. That's the only thing. We might have to get some air conditioning. There's some, <laughs> sound, there's some sound stuff that we could do that would make it amazing too. Um, just technical stuff. I feel like the community is definitely there, though, and there's people that use it. Maybe some mirrors on the walls for dancers too. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's not the biggest space either. I mean, there's 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 a lot of stuff that we could do to kind of like make it more more professional. But sense. it
2: came out of like we came out of the idea again, like just okay, if the world that we want isn't there. Let's just create our own world. And yeah. so for the past six seven years, that that's what we've been doing. Made tons of mistakes, you know, didn't know what, what the fuck we're doing for a while. And then finally, I feel like we have um, a community of people who, like today, there's a book launch at this place. We're not there, but people have, are willing to come in and volunteer. And Toronto is so fast mm. in comparison to like a lot of Canadian cities that it's hard to find that energy sometimes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. and so it's, that's what we're trying to build. Yeah, Like, can we do this together? Is, and we haven't applied for grants. We avoided all of that because we don't want to be told what to do. Um, we're slowly beginning to look at that that system, um, but we want to do it with the collective of folks, mm. you know. And because, I mean, really and truly, we pay such we pay good rent for a space like that in Toronto. That's part I of not this want why. want to publish
3: that. That's a bad idea. Well, stop publishing it. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's just
2: it's real. It's like you know, it's more than we can afford, but it's way better than you know, what most people are paying for what we have. Why not so that's, th- It's not about that, Nick. It's just about, I'm, I'm sure, like, our landlord is not listening. Yeah. I don't know. What he's <laughs> and he probably is because yeah. you bumped into yeah. him at um, a very interesting space anyway.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's actually not that cheap when you think about the space that we have.
2: It's not that cheap for it's us. Like, like it's when extremely you- cheap for that space in Toronto. Yeah. Like, yeah. because now you have, you know, you have these, you know, like big art organizations moving the MOCA, in. The MOCA, the MOCA Mo- Museum. Oh, let's m- mention MOCA.
3: Oh, or the Museum of Canadian <laughs> Art, yeah.
2: Is moving in. And interestingly enough, hmm. all of these spaces for artists, studio spaces yep. particularly... They've all been pushed out. The yeah. like rent has doubled before they've even moved in. Yeah, and it's Mocha's even gross. put out this press release. We're bringing culture to the neighborhood. It's like there's been underground culture here for twenty years plus. Oh. Yeah, you know, so it's like so that's why we years keep this space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we're and it's it's people are finding it harder to like find DIY DIT like do together spaces that are affordable. So our whole thing is like, look, we might not last forever. But that's not the point. The point is, like, create these spaces, whether it's in your home, in your backyard, in an abandoned space, like, let's take these places over because we can. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Toronto had a lot of that. And it's losing some of that because of all the sort of gentrification that's happening. But because of the gentrification, it will create something else. You know and that's really what we're
3: yeah we we'll might be, not loss we'll be that's pushed okay. to the airport or just go like, to Hamilton the airport like, or like any of those places like Scarborough or something mm-hmm. like
2: but if you go to Hamilton don't just go to Hamilton be aware of the people in Hamilton don't just alienate folks yeah. who are who are building stuff there I think this is the part of my gentrification it's like it's going to gentrify. This is obviously what happens to cities and culture. But there's ways of doing it where you can embrace the local community and you yeah. can do stuff together yeah, instead the, of being like you're not allowed in. i mm-hmm.
3: see some of that in Oakland, actually. But Oakland's actually not is super gentrifying right now. But at the time, there was, there was a lot of inclusion of like people that lived there before into these really beautiful spaces. Um, kind of see that in Regent Park. But that has its problems, too, though, in Toronto um, with the new... Whole complex thing that's got up there,
2: yeah, I mean it's always taken over by people who come from artists are the first people to gentrify, really, and I think that's what we have to acknowledge that we're the first ones to come in and then we make it cool, and then other people come in. so is there a way to change that kind of model you know and how, and how do we do that? We haven't quite figured that out, but I think like our area definitely is changing, um and we're trying to maintain something affordable accessible for communities because it's just becoming really expensive.
3: Yeah, we don't you know? charge money for our space. Like the one thing about Toronto which never existed before is that you actually have to pay to play now, which is like something that was unheard of, but these days is it's like
2: In some not every you know, space. Yeah, some there's spaces. there's a
3: good amount of spaces in Toronto now where there's like a pay to play type thing. It
2: depends on the band, right? Depends on your connection with with a lot of bands. If they're new or don't have that's what I'm saying. People, like, it will be told you have to pay this amount of money, which is you know,
0: unheard band. of.
3: Like,
2: like we've never had that experience.
0: Though. What sort of how much of a financial commitment are they asking?
3: Like 150 bucks, well, or, like a, bucks a or like 500 bucks, or like it's yeah, usually a tech yeah.
2: fee. Like we got to pay for the tech. Where before, like 10 years ago, you weren't necessarily paying for the tech. Yeah. They took the bar, you took the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know? But for me, it's like we had, um, you know, we had played a, a big venue for our CD release, and they gave it to us for free. Um, but we paid a tech fee, which is minimal for, for the the space. There was some fucked up shit that happened with the sound person who did some horrible stuff to the, just violent stuff
3: yeah. to like wow. some
2: folks in our team. But most of, but most of the, the venue itself, the people there were actually pretty good. Um, and that's something that we're also dealing with. It's like, I'm tired of playing at venues where you're treated like shit or they're afraid of black people or they're afraid of queer people or they don't have accessible space. It's expensive. The drinks are ridiculous. It's like, you know, they want you out by two or one thirty. get out. It's like, it's not welcoming. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to play in those spaces anymore. And that's also why at our house, it's like, yeah, maybe we're up for ten hours, like yeah. at a punk show. But it's there's something about we want to do it. Yeah, you know, and it's it it's, it's, needs it's, to happen. It needs to happen, and you have to really have to be passionate about doing that. Where exactly. a lot of the club scene has become about money. Yeah.
3: Well, they have you to know? sell a certain amount of alcohol, and like yeah, yeah.
2: and we don't want to sell. <clears throat> like we don't want to, we don't want to make money off our alcoholic friends. It's like no, we want to be careful about the booze, the drugs. You know, it's okay if it's there. We'll hold each yeah. other. We're all Um,
1: responsible for each other.
2: Yeah, but we definitely don't want to just be like, we're going to make some money off you, you know, and then leave you to die if you walk out on your own. Like That's not what the space is about. Yeah. You know, and I hope, and I think more club culture, more, it needs to change. Like it needs to, it it came from that and it needs to come back to that, you know?
3: No,
1: it's a movement that's happening here as well. Totally. uh, There's venues that are opening up to safe spaces, open to queer, color, whatever the case may be. And it's just, People are really striving
3: for that. Yeah. What would be an example of that?
1: Uh, well, as I was speaking earlier before we got started, there's a community here called Babely Shade. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah. right, right, right. And they're doing exactly the same thing you guys are doing by the sounds of it. And just really trying to create these safe spaces for people that where we can all work together and be one together and not mm. feel targeted by anyone
0: or... Mm. Right, right, right. They and DeBaser, who DeBaser was on a lot well. of shows around here. Who and your um, show
1: was with tonight. Yeah.
0: What they'll do is they'll have certain people in the crowd who uh, are just there to watch over things. If they ever yeah. feel yeah. unsafe, they yeah. Yeah. They're clearly yeah. identified. Yeah. And then, you know what, that like every, anything that was happening just sort of shuts down until that yeah. problem is solved. And that's... Uh, it's great. It's it's something that's never happened in Ottawa before. Mm. Right. Until sort of Debaser insisted it happened at yeah. every single one of their shows. That's I'm cool. Like, um, so that's really. It, it, it's it's really taken good. off now. Yeah. yeah. And
2: we're finding like, I mean, like 15 years ago, we had those spaces if they were like house parties kind of thing. Uh, but now, as we tour nationally, we're actually be we're able to tap into these spaces. Yeah, there's I'm a place there. It's amazing. There's a
3: one in Hamilton called Haven as well. They have like a small space that the same guys Highland Monk. They have their own space called Haven. A lot of bands play there from Toronto quite I mean, we've never played there but apparently it's really beautiful
2: yeah we're, we're linking into these mm-hmm. energies across canada and we always have but now it's a more diverse conversation you know it's it's, it's reflective it's
1: just going to grow and grow exactly yeah.
2: yeah and it's it's really neat to see <clears throat> and need to know that edmonton has a queer bipoc community um that cares about accessibility and you know allies are welcome like it's you know it's it's really it's really been cool to connect with people across canada yeah
0: just outside of the podcast for a sec would you mind explaining what bipoc is oh for the- um
2: so bipoc uh stands for black indigenous people of color and then allies i'm, I'm not you know people argue about these terms but that's the current term <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll probably change next week and then allies uh, are our folks that are outside of that th- those terms but then our our support and hold we hold each other yeah
0: i just want to make sure, sure my mother can yeah yeah <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> totally, totally <laughs> i looked it up what, in uh, the dictionary uh, yeah <coughs>
2: <laughs> Which is a problem with like, I mean, we we do political music and it's my critique of the activist um, social justice community is that we have access to all this terminology that's given to us by academia, but nobody ever explains to us what the hell this means. We just start throwing around these terms. It alienates people who have no idea what you're talking about. So even trying to change that, like language is actually super, super important. And I don't think sometimes in different circles how we're even like if you're around gearheads and all they talk about is gear it's like if you don't know about gear you would be like what the fuck are you talking about exactly. Like, how do you access how do you keep, how do you include people <laughs> I'm you sorry know? Adam Rose, <laughs> I'm
1: used to it by now
2: <laughs> and it's okay to go into those circles but it's nice to also be like this Rose just gets plays it all, all notes. the
3: time though. she's <laughs> like that's so awful I just her. like
2: I'm like I don't care I literally say I, Nick I don't really care yeah. I love you but I don't really care <laughs>
0: I gotta say, reading an Exclaim article with you guys, where uh, at one point the Maximus plugin is yeah. mentioned, it was like Pro Tools and Maximus. I was like, I've never seen outside of like sound on sound, yeah. uh, um, like a limiter mentioned as like an integral part of a. No, album it was, uh, was...
3: I don't know why they pl- printed that. Actually, I didn't say Max. I think he said. I said I used plug, which is like a, a max MSP type thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think he thought it was. <laughs> I, I I had no idea why. Because
0: the other thing is, he, what is Maximus? Um, well, he, he calls it as Maximus P, yeah. which, if you Google it, is a thing that doesn't exist. But Maximus is a, like a Fruity Loop studio oh, right, uh, right. maximizer. Right. <laughs> No, and we just destroyed think, your whole. It was, and it was Max MSP. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. I and I don't even use Max MSP, which is weird. I I don't understand why you came to that. But you know, I think. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's very strange. I was very like, what? Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it gave you props.
3: Yeah, I've never used. <laughs> I've never used Max MSP. Not even in, in, in Ableton, I've never used it. Yeah. So.
0: But now it's part of your uh, Wikipedia page forever. <laughs>
3: yes. Uh- yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
2: Yeah.
0: Anyways, Adam, any
1: more questions? Uh, no, I just want to praise you guys. You guys are doing really good stuff. Oh, the music's you. amazing. I love the community you guys are building, and keep and keep and it going. you
2: too. Like we did, were not expecting to come to a living room and actually hang out. Yeah. And like and that actually yeah. is really very very. You, you guys need a
0: performance space. space.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. Hey, it's very. We're working
0: cool. on. It. Yeah. Well, we call it a studio yeah. apartment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Studio <laughs>
3: apartment.
2: <laughs> no, but it's it's really refreshing. Yeah. Like yeah. to see Thank people you. taking over um and finding space where that they know how. Yeah, that's you it. Know? That's it. That's like yeah. that hip
3: hop thing though. Like you know, you 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 make it out of nothing and then it becomes something. Got to crawl before you walk. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: It's one of the things that I think I'm most proud about is we're now like number 1 ranked on independent music podcasts across Canada. And oh, we cool. do it. You know, we do it here. We do it yeah. in this space that's that real. That Yo, that that's real. Saying, which, I mean, there's dirty underwear in the corner. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: You're making fun of me for listening to your shower in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Music in the shower?
0: Anyways, um, we have one question that we ask every single band, every single artist that comes through here, and it's sort of... Um, people who are listening are already, uh, already know what's coming, but uh, it sort of separates sort of the real artists to, from the people who have just been wasting our time for the last hour. And it is... Um, <laughs> which former head of Genesis has been more influential on your career, Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? Oh. Uh,
3: I would say Peter Gabriel oh, for me. I was
2: gonna say Phil Collins.
3: Oh, uh, I would only
2: say- only because Peter. Oh wait, hold
3: on. Peter Gabriel made that one record with no symbols. Oh no, I'm thinking thought, Simon. Yeah, no, actually, not, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm
2: thinking. Um. Who did this up with South African singers? Oh, Paul. Paul, Simon. Paul Simon. <laughs> I'm like no. Yeah, I think.
3: Peter Gabriel. Peter definitely. Gabriel. Yeah. And plus his synth, his synth collection back in the 70s was ridiculous. There's that one picture I saw of him where he just buried in all these synths, and I thought that was so cool. But I think yeah. Phil
2: Collins is still really. He looks so sweet. You know what I mean. <laughs> He just looks so sweet. And Phil Collins gets... Peter Peter Gabriel's like the word one, I think, out of the two, right? Like he's just kind of... And he
3: went on to do some appropriative stuff with world music, but whatever. That's what I was like trying to... But but Phil Collins did did, did, uh, some cool stuff with the four track. He recorded, uh, I can feel it in the air tonight with the four track or something. That's pretty cool. I gave him respect for that. I haven't
2: met them, so until I meet them... Yeah, I can't make up my. I'm not moods. the
3: biggest fan of Peter Gabriel's voice, more so his production aesthetic. I would say I've been. He did in, in, introduce me to Susanna Baca, though, which is actually a really. Oh yeah, 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 that's true.
2: Was it? No, it wasn't Peter Gabriel. Well, his
3: his record label. Are we talking about the same? No, person?
2: no, you're thinking somebody completely different.
3: Peter Was Gabriel started Real World, no? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, so, Susana Baca's amazing. Yeah, he he actually introduced me to a lot of different artists on that label. So, I mean, the whole world music thing is kind of weird for me, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 um, it, it's interesting to see sort of like Paul Simon did it uh, South African vocal music. Peter Gabriel did it West African yeah, and yeah. yeah. music. Um, right. Yeah.
3: But
2: Peter Gabriel, I think at least whether you know we can fight about whatever. I like the fact that he exposed artists. In their world, it wasn't just trying to sing all over their album. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, he did do a and, bit of that, but I mean, I think what I appreci- that
2: wasn't all. Like, yeah, he-
3: what I appreciate the most about Pierre Gabriel was his 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 ability to evolve and his evolution. Not that he's dead or anything, but like, yeah, he better not
0: be because. We're going to get him on this podcast someday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, if you ever speak ill of Peter Gabriel's singing voice again well, uh, yes. implicitly <laughs> praising Phil Sorry. Collins's, uh, yeah, 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 this yeah, interview well, is yeah. done already. But that, was
4: yeah.
3: that was him. I said, That was That was yeah. me. That was me. I mean, yeah. I'm not the biggest male vocal fan, but whatever. That's just me. <laughs> this interview is over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, to yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: so funny. We are Lal and this song is called Rules Were Meant To Be Broken off the album Find Safety.
4: Incredible feeling that incredible feeling cloudy and blue reckoning cloudy and blue reckoning all the street lights all the street lights all the street lights have risen And then back to beginning and then back to beginning and then back to beginning rules were meant meant to to be be be, be broken broken